Are you in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23? We're going to read verses 23 through 25. It says this in the New Living Translation. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of good, of acts of love and good works. And this is what I want to hone in on this morning. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for your word. Continue to speak to us and in and, and your word. Speak through me this morning. Give me clarity. Father, we just pray that, that we would hear your word and apply it to our lives in a greater way. Lord, we pray for our pastor and for Olivia and Miss Clovia and all the rest of the church that are on this trip to Israel. Lord, we pray, uh, Lord, that they would just continue to have a great time, draw them closer to you and closer to each other, uh, give them safe travels while they're in country and as they're coming home later in the week. Lord God, may they be blessed and may everyone here today be blessed, challenged, encouraged, and equipped as we hear this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as the writer of Hebrews is writing to the church, some people in the Christian community had evidently stopped meeting together, and it was probably to avoid persecution. There was so much persecution of the early church at the time, they stopped meeting together. And, and you got to understand that that church back then, when it first started, the New Testament church was nothing like what we have this morning. It was more of a small group of people meeting in homes, but even that, they stopped doing it. And, 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 and the right of Hebrews is encouraging the church not to, to neglect meeting together. He said, especially now. And, and, and he felt back then, and we feel now that the, the Lord's uh, return is near. You know, I think today some people neglect meeting together in a close community. Let me make it clear. Not just on Sunday mornings you're here, so I don't want you to think, hey, look, I'm here. We're, I'm meeting with the church right now. And this is great. I want to encourage you to continue to participate in Sunday morning services. But some people, I believe, neglect close community. And when I'm saying community, I mean relationship. I think one of the main things, because it's happening in my life, is just plain being busy. Can y'all relate to that? I think it's not as much persecution in our day at, at all, but it's just everybody is super busy. Are you busy in your neck of the woods as well as mine? Right? So I think everybody is, is busy. Now, I know it's busy. Life continues to get busier. But in this day and age we live in, we shouldn't get disconnected. Matter of fact, we need to be connected in a close community of believers like never before. I'm talking about not only showing up to church on Sunday, but you need to be, we all need to be in a close community, close relationship and fellowship with other believers. I also believe, though, it might not just be business. Some people have neglected being in close relationship with others because they have been neglected, hurt, or rejected by others. I know when people hurt you, when you get close to somebody and you get hurt, or you get dropped, or you get neglected, then, then, then you have, you resist getting back in close relationship with people. And the truth is, whenever you choose to love someone, whether it's a close friend, a brother, a sister, a spouse, you open yourself up. You're vulnerable. Isn't that right? Because the truth is, when, when we love, we can get hurt. Is that right? But we shouldn't give up. We shouldn't give up whenever we get hurt. And, and I pray, and we're going to talk about the pray next week. Actually, I'm going to talk about even more specifically the kind of people we want, we, we, we need to be around. But this morning, I just want to encourage you, whatever the reason is, we must not neglect but work to connect and stay connected with each other. I want to read Hebrews 25, uh, 10, 25 again in another translation. Now, some people, this is a newer translation. Uh, I, this, some people say this is more of a prayer phase, but I, I believe it, it gives the heart of the matter here 
uh, of what's going on. Hebrews 10.25, it says, This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day drawing near. And that day is, again, the return of the Lord. Listen, church, we need each other. We are made to live in community with each other. We belong to the family of God. This morning, I'm, I'm starting a mini-series. It'll be this week and next week called You Belong. You Belong. Listen to the scripture in, in, in Ephesians 2.19. It says this, You belong to God's family as all of God's people do. As I talked about earlier, and I, I, I just as I read that scripture this morning, you know, you may come to church, you may attend church, but, but you, you may feel like you don't belong. There's not a, a, a close circle of people that you belong to. Maybe because of, of what you've done. Maybe because of, of, of who you are. Maybe because you don't feel like there's people that are able to connect with you because of your personality type or because, you know, what, whatever the case may be. But I want to encourage you. The scripture makes it plain. That you belong. Hey, look to your neighbor and tell him you belong. Look to the other neighbor, tell him the same thing. You belong. We all belong in a family, especially the family of God. So this morning, I want to just show you four things. Why we need to stay connected in a close community of believers. Why do we, and why we need to face God together. The, the name of this message this morning is let's face life together. Let's face life together. So why do we need to be in a, a close community of believers? Now listen, this will be something that's, none of these points are groundbreaking or things that you don't know already. But I think, again, we need to hear this and look at it from the scripture to understand. Number one, we need to face life together because you know what? Life keeps happening. Isn't that right? Life keeps on happening. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Isn't that right? How many of you would say right now, by show of hands, man, life's good right now. Like things are going well. I'm blessed. My, my marriage, my, my, my job, my children. Um, you know, how many of y'all would say, man, you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but life's not going so great right now. You know, yeah, thanks for being honest. Hey, thank you. And sometimes it's, it's both. And we'll talk about that. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's like, hey, man, things are going great with my wife, but them children of mine, I tell you what, man. <laughs> That part of my life is maybe not going so great, right? Come on, somebody. Listen, I just want to remind you, church, because I still see being, being in ministry, talking to a lot of people, counseling with people, seeing what people post on social media. I want to remind you, we shouldn't be surprised when bad things happen, even when you're doing everything right. Bad things will happen even when you're doing everything right. Life happens, and life will continue to happen. You know what? And life often doesn't ask our permission to keep happening, right? Matter of fact, it never does. Life is just going to continue to happen. Listen, again, the words of Jesus himself, John 16, Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble, right? In this world, you will have trouble. There was no, you might. You know what? If you if you mess up, you're going to have a little trouble. What did he say? You will. We're going to have trouble. And it, it, it surprises me that people are still surprised when bad things happen. And I think especially as, as, as born-again believers, I think because either we heard a false gospel, let me just be honest, 
Maybe you were told at some point in your life that, hey, if you come to Christ, if you, if you're walking with God, man, if you're in church, if you're, if you're tithing, if you're doing all these things right, man, you know what? The Lord's going to bless you and he will. But maybe you heard everything's going to be well with you. It's going to be good, man. Peaches and cream. And maybe somewhere along the lines, you've picked that up. So we're still surprised when life happens and when life happens, bad things happen even when we're doing the right thing. I want to give you a few more examples from the Bible. Think about Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers only for sharing a dream that God gave him, that two dreams that ended up coming true later. And then later on in life, he's pursued relentlessly by another man's wife, and he consistently resisted the temptation to be with another man's wife. And what happens? She turns around, falsely accuses him of attacking her, and he gets thrown into prison for two years. What did Joseph do wrong? Absolutely nothing. Matter of fact, he did everything right. He resisted. You know, if he would have gave in and, and, and messed up in that area, he would have probably said, man, this is God's consequence for me for, for, you know, being with another man's wife. But he didn't. He resisted. And yet bad things continue to happen to him. Think about Naomi from the book of Ruth, who lost her husband and her two sons. These were our only two children. She became a, a widow and she loses her two sons. Think about Job. The Bible says that Job was a blameless man of complete integrity, who feared God and stayed away from evil, yet he lost all of his children, his health, and his wealth. You can't get more of a, as close to, I'm not going to call him perfect, but a good dude than Job, right? According to the Bible's description, he was doing everything right. Yes, he lost his whole family, well, not his wife. And if you read the story, you probably would have hoped that he maybe lost his wife at one point. Anyway, that's another, another subject. But he lost his children, his health, his wealth. He was doing everything right. And then, of course, Jesus. All Jesus ever did was love people, serve people, pray for people, help people through miracles and healings. We just got done with the miracle series. We see we looked at the miracle moments of Jesus, a lot of them. He lived out God's perfect will for his life. Yet he went through trials, troubles, ridicule, persecution, and suffering, right? I mean, Jesus' words, and I mean, there's, there's many others, guys. I just, I thought about those four in the Bible that were doing everything right. They loved God. They were serving God. And yet life happened to them, right? Life happened. And it was, it was bad things happening. Listen, we must understand God allows us to experience difficult seasons because he wants to bring revelation to us. He wants to reveal himself to us. We, we must continue to go back to Romans 8, 28 that says God works all things to the good for love God, that who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things, you know what, even though, like why would God make this happen so he could work it out good? Hold on. God doesn't necessarily cause things to happen or make them happen. What he's saying is when life happens, he'll turn those things into good for you and for his glory. And we must continue to go back to that to remember that. Again, he wants to give us revelation. Let's go back to these four people in the Bible. All four of these ended up seeing the purpose of their trials. Joseph ended up saving his family and a whole country from starvation. Naomi ended up gaining what was like a grandson to her named Obed, who ended up being King David's grandfather and the lineage that Jesus came from. Amen. She lost two sons and a husband, but she gained a powerful grandson. And ultimately, she's in heaven and looking out like, man, Jesus came through my very bloodline, right? Job said that he had not only heard about God, that he had only heard about God before all this stuff happened. They said he was a righteous man. He was a blameless man. He feared God. But at the end, Job's, Job's own words, and I encourage you to read through the book of Job if you haven't. 
His own words was, he said, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. See, Job got revelation of who God was through this crazy tragedy. And then on top of that, the Bible says God blessed him even more in the second half of his life or after the tragedy than the first half. And of course, Jesus, he made a way for mankind to be forgiven and reconciled to a relationship with God the Father. They all went through trials and, and life happened to them. But there was a purpose in it all. And they got the revelation. I mean, of course, Jesus knew what he was going to have to go through before. But all these other people and many, many others, you can read throughout the Bible. You can read many others that life happened to. So we know that we will go through troubles, but God has a purpose when we do. You know what makes it a little bit easier when life happens? is that God designed it so that we wouldn't have to go through it alone. God designed it to where, you know, we know that God's always with us. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always be there with you. But you know what? Even though we have faith in God, isn't it nice to have people you can hug and call and text, right? Or that will do that for you. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 4. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Thessalonica. And he says this. Finally, when we could stand it no longer, we decided to stay alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker in proclaiming the good news of Christ. Listen to his purpose for sending Timothy. We sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith, and to keep you from being shaken from the troubles you were going through. He knew that they were going through many trials, troubles, and struggles. So he said, look, I'm going to send a brother to try to encourage you. These verses show us that we need people around us to strengthen us and encourage us during life's tough times. Listen, of course, and we're going to talk about it. We got to trust God. We got to put our total faith in God. But remember, God designed it this way. God designed it for us to be in a close community, to have close relationship. That's how we're wired. That's how he designed. That's why we have a church. That's why uh, he, he's created uh, the church to be the way that it is. Look at Hebrews 10, 25 again, a different translation. We should all continue to meet together. We need to help one another to be strong and brave. That is now even more important because the Lord's great day is coming. You know that the Lord will return soon. I love that. He said we need to help each other to be strong and brave. Isn't it nice to have people around you when you're going through tough times to help help you to be strong and to be brave? When you just want to give up, when you're scared, when you're tired, somebody just come alongside of you and say, man, woman, you can do it. You can do it. You know, I was reminded of this just this past week. What was it? Thursday was September 11th, right? It's been 18 years since the terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center. And I begin to think as I was preparing this message on Thursday, how the, the country came together. And I mean, specifically New York City and, 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 and you know, Washington, D.C., those areas specifically, those communities drew together like never before in the face of, of crazy tragedy. Isn't that right? We see where something tragic happened in our country that it brought communities, whole communities and even the country together. Matter of fact, later that day, I got a phone call from a friend of mine that I used to work for. He's still one of my good friends. And, and, and I'm not going to get into that, but we had a crazy conversation the day before September 11th happened, 2001. And then that day, and he, he thinks about me, he said every, every year on, on, on that anniversary, he called me. And we started talking about that and talking about the state of our country. Now, he's only a little bit older than me. He's, I think, in his early 50s. And he said, Brandon, in my lifetime, I've never seen the country more united than it was back in 2001 after the terrorist attack. 
And if you look at the landscape of America, I mean, I don't follow politics and all that as much. I couldn't tell you I was 19, 20 years old when that happened back then. Uh, but I tell you this, you can see how divided our country is. So something as a tragedy, as life happening like a terrorist attack brought people together. And as those people came together, they encouraged one another. They strengthened one another. A lot of people ended up going overseas to fight. People rebuilt these communities. Isn't that right? In the midst of the craziest things, craziest things in life, we need each other to help us to keep going. Amen? So number one, life keeps changing. Number two, life, I mean, number one, life keeps happening. Number two, life keeps changing. How many of y'all know that? Ecclesiastes 1, 3.1, for everything had, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Life changes. Seasons change. Sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad, right? Again, oftentimes it's not asking our permission to change. It's just changing. It seems like, you know, man, you, you know, you blink and it's just like, man, just where we're at in our season of life this year, you know, all four, our, our children all came to school here until the school closed. And this year, four children are in three different schools. Our life just changed this year. So did our uh, gas for our van. The, the bill changed a lot this year as well, right? But there's the, the, the landscape of our schedule and our life right now is totally different. We have a son in high school. We have twins that are in middle school. And in our youngest, that's still in fifth grade. And they're different places, not to mention all the extracurricular activity. I definitely understand the meaning or the term soccer mom now, where that came from, right? But it's a good thing. In this case, for us, it's a good thing. Yes, we're busy. As I said in the first point, we're all busy. But the seasons change. Our kids are growing up. It's a great thing, right? It's a blessing. It's a blessing to see our kids growing up and, and doing so good. Maybe you've had a lot of change in your life recently. Maybe you've lost some things recently. And maybe you've gained something. Maybe you're on either side of the scale. Maybe life has changed and it's been for good. But maybe life's just recently changed. And it's not so good. You may be lost. Oftentimes, during these seasons of change, there's a tension between grieving what we've lost and celebrating what we've gained. We have to learn to integrate these two realities, church. Pastor Todd says it all the time. I've been hearing it since, and it's a powerful saying. Good and bad travels on parallel tracks and often arrive at the same time. So what do we do with that? What do we do when life changes and there's changes going on? One's good, one's bad. They both arrive on that doorstep at the same time. We got to learn to integrate both of them. Isn't it crazy how the rhythms of life work? One season, things are going great, right? Man, some of y'all raised your hand. You turn around, things aren't so great. A few weeks or months later, you turn around, man, life's great again, right? Is it just my life or is that like your life too? Some seasons change and things get good and bad sometimes very quickly. So I want to encourage you. That's why you need to be careful. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You must be careful when you're going through tough times not to make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. Let me say that again. Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. Because guess what? Life's going to change again. You may make a major decision in your life based on the season you're in, and that season's going to be gone before you know it. I mean, I, I was at, I would, I, me and my kids make an ice cream run last night and I saw a sign. It's, it's mid-September. We still sweating. It's like, is your home ready for the holidays? I'm like, it's September, man. Is it just me or is it back up earlier and earlier every year? Before you know it, Christmas is going to be here, right? 
Seasons change that quick. Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. Listen, life throws us too many curveballs to allow a season to magnify your perspective to the point that you make a decision based on something that's going to change. You got to be careful. Look what the Bible says about that. Proverbs 19, 2, and the Amplified says, Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. And he who hurries with his feet, this is it, I love this part, acting impulsively and proceeding without caution or analyzing the consequences, actually sins, misses the mark. You have to be careful not to make life-altering situations because of a season of life. They will change. We can't act impulsively and do this. Listen, I thought about this simple because my wife has done this a couple of times. In our South Louisiana weather, how many of y'all come on can pray and believe for some cool weather to come soon? Amen? I was talking to a brother earlier. I told him we went hunting yesterday. He's like, man, it's too hot. Man, it's not hot out there. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's hot, man. There's mosquitoes, but hey, we're still out there. I'm ready for some cool weather. How many of y'all at the end of, of our Louisiana winter, maybe in February or March, you get two or three weeks of, of, of some warm weather, and you're like, okay, man, winter's over, and you go put all this stuff uh, in the attic. All your winter clothes up, and then before you know it, a cool front comes through or a cold front comes through again. My wife has done it. She's, like, frustrated. I can't. I thought winter was over. All my clothes are up. All the kids' clothes are up. I got to take them out again. Just as quick as the Louisiana weather changes, so does our life. And we got to be careful not to pack up a relationship or, 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 or invest in a decision. That could possibly change when the seasons change. So wherever you are right now, listen, I just want to encourage you. Wherever you are right now, it's not where you're going to stay. Let me say that again, especially if you're in a bad spot right now. I'm going to say it again. Wherever you are right now, it's not where you're going to stay. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. It might feel like it. You might say, Brandon, well, I've been in this season a long time, man. I've had many Christmases pass in this season. I'm going to encourage you. This too shall pass. It will. Life changes. When we go through hard times, we have to remember that seasons come and go, and we won't remain in those hard times forever, which leads to my third point. Number three, again, none of these are, you know, ground-shattering thoughts. But number three, life goes on. Not only does life keep happening, life keeps changing. Number three, life goes on. It's your choice how life goes on, though. Life will go on. Isn't that right? Life will go on, but it's how your choice how life goes on. I just had this thought. As we do many, many, you know, funerals and, and whatnot, being in ministry, and I've experienced it personally as well. I know it's always hard on families. Like, you know, a lot of people come out for funerals and wakes, and there's a lot of phone calls and texts. But you know what? Once the funeral is over, most people, not all, but most people, and it's just human nature, we kind of go on with our life. Isn't that right? The family's still grieving and still hurting. But most people, life goes on. They pick back up with work on Monday. They get ready for hunting season, Christmas, vacations, work, moving, you know, kids going to school, whatever it is. Life goes on. But it's your choice how it's going to go on. Listen, it doesn't matter what happens to you. You get to choose how you want to proceed in life. It doesn't matter what happens to you, you get to proceed. Now, I'm not making light of anything tragic or traumatic that has happened in your life. But I will say we all have a choice on how we deal with that. And, and I want to show you the Apostle Paul went through, I'm telling you, many, many difficult seasons in his life. And he tells us about them in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. There's quite a few verses I want to read, but I want to give you the full scope of how we can make a choice when the, the hardest times of life hit. Because life will go on. But we get to choose. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 and 28. 
Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I've served him far more. This is Apostle Paul speaking. I have worked harder, been in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night in a day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the city, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Come on, he's getting deep now. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I have shrivered, shrivered, is that the right word? Shivered, thank you. I knew that didn't sound right. Amanda, I knew Amanda was going to call me on it anyway. I asked y'all, you see? Shivered in the cold, Amanda, without enough clothing to keep me warm. She keeps me accountable every time I say something wrong during the service. Then listen, this is crazy. Besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. You think that brother went through a few things? Wow. All, listen, and remember, this was all different seasons of his life. So some of this stuff would happen, time would go on, he's like, I got beaten with whips. Things were cool, then I got beaten with rods. Think about that. Then something, you know, ceased, and then he was stoned. And then he, I mean, all kind of stuff Paul went through. Then he says, on top of that, I have this concern for you, the church. Then in the next chapter, Paul, he's not done. In the very next chapter, Paul talks about the thorn that's in his flesh, which we don't know. Some people believe it might be a person or a thing. Whichever it was, it was evil. He calls it a messenger of Satan. And how he begged the Lord to take it from him. A lot of y'all are familiar with this, 2 Corinthians 12, 8, 9. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So he went through all that. Then on top of that, he said, there's a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, whether it was a sickness, an illness, or a person, or a group of people. So after all he talked about in chapter 11, he has this issue and he asks the Lord to take it. The Lord did not take it away, but reminded Paul that God's grace was on him and that's all he needed. Now, Paul had a choice to make. Paul had a choice. What am I going to do with all of this now? After he went through this and he knows now that the Lord will not even relieve him of it, he had a choice to make. Let me stop and say, what would you do? It's a tough question, right? Of course, if you ask me, well, Brandon, what would you do? Of course, I would say, well, brother, I would continue to serve the Lord, right? That's the right answer, right? Better, Joe, you kind of laughed hard at that one. No, but isn't it true? We, we all think we would say, I hope, man, we would still serve the Lord. What would you do? Let's look at what Paul did, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. This is crazy. He says, I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. Amen. Paul made a decision. I'm going to keep going. He saw his trials and troubles and human weaknesses as an opportunity for the power of Christ to work through him. He actually accepted his, his suffering and even said, I take pleasure in it. Now, how many of us in here, honestly, have said, man, I love when I go through tough times. I take pleasure in that. I know I don't. We, we, none of us like going through hardships. But Paul had, you remember earlier I said, God allows us to go through difficult seasons because he wants to give us revelation. This is the revelation Paul had. 
Listen, man, I'm going through all of this stuff, but the power of Christ is working through me. The grace of God is on me, and God's being glorified. So he made a choice that he would continue living his life to serve the Lord to the day he died. And then he got murdered. He actually got killed in his life. But he stayed faithful to the Lord each and every day with all the trials that went through. You know, I love this quote, and I know the percentages have gone off by like 10, depending on who you hear it from. But we had an open house at my son's school the other night, and I love this quote, and I was, I was blessed to see it on his wall in one of his classrooms, and it says this, life is only 10% what happens to you. It's 90% how you respond to it. And that is the truth. You've probably heard me say that two dozen times from up here. I love that his teacher had it up there in high school on his wall. Life is only 10% what happened and 90% of how we respond to it. Now, I get it. That 10% could be jam-packed with some major things, right? And again, I hope you all hear my heart. I'm not downplaying the troubles and the hard times. You go through it, we go through it. I know we all go through them. But we got to make a choice that life goes on, and we're going to have to respond how we do it. It's our choice, you've heard this, to become bitter or better. You know, I think back to when my brother died. I was young. I was a young Christian. I was young in, in, in the ministry. And I remember when my brother died, sitting in the hospital and thinking, man, am I going to be able to go on? Like, I had, I, I mean, I had lost my dad five years ago, uh, five years before that, I'm sorry. And then now another major blow. Me and my brother were really close in another tragic way that he passed. And I remember thinking, Man, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to recover from this. Like, will I continue to do ministry? Will I will I continue to 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 go on? How how is this gonna affect me emotionally and, and mentally? And will I be able to 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 help other people as it just you know within a short time frame? Listen, I'm not saying this to boast, but I just made a decision, and I made a choice that I'm gonna continue to serve the Lord and do what He's called me to do. It started with the choice. Now it was a process. Not that like I came out of it and it was a process, but it started with a choice. When I was contemplating what I'm going to do in this next season of life, my choice was I'm going to continue to serve the Lord and do what he calls me to do no matter what. We have to to choose to put our faith, our hope, and trust. Who we're going to put our faith, hope, and trust in during these troubling times. If we put our faith in ourselves or material things, chances are life's going to get bitter. If we put our faith in the Lord, life will get better. I shared some of the scripture with y'all earlier, but I want to read the rest of it. The writer of the book of Lamentations spent two and a half chapters, the first two and a half chapters of the book, lamenting about and grieving about many sorrows, both in Israel and in his personal life. And then he says this, Lamentations 3 and verse 20. I will never forget this awful time. I will never forget it. He said it was his heart. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I will dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I will say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope again. What did he do? He he made a choice that I'm going to put my hope back in the Lord. He's like, man, if you read Lamentations, I mean, the book's called Lamentations. It's full of laments. It's full of grief, hard time. And if you read through the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, it, it all leads up. You know, if you read the Old Testament, I encourage you to read a little bit of New Testament too, because man, that stuff could, can get heavy sometimes. But I love this in that whole book. There's, there's a few verses that he says, I make a choice that, you know what? I'm going to put, I'm going to dare to hope again. I want to challenge you this morning. Dare to hope in the Lord again. Dare to put your hope in God again. 
Because life goes on and we need to choose. If you're feeling hopeless, I challenge you to remember the Lord's faithfulness and put your hope in him again. We also have to decide who we will surround ourselves with in each season of life, which leads to my last point. Fourth and final point, and this is really the heart behind this message in these two weeks, don't go through life alone. Listen, life's going to keep happening. Life's going to keep changing. Life will go on, but I want to challenge you today, don't go through life alone. Ecclesiastes 4.8 says this, There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Listen, y'all, life is hard enough as it is without trying to go through it alone. Life is hard enough as it is without trying to go through life alone. I like how it says there's no end to his toil. And I actually looked the word toil up this morning. And as a verb, the word toil means to move or travel with difficulty, weariness, or pain. Isn't that interesting? A man that's all alone, there's no end to him traveling through life with difficulty, weariness, and pain. If you're trying to do life alone, you're going to have hard times. There's going to be difficult times. You're going to get weary. You're going to have pain. I know there's people sitting here this morning that are relating to one of all three of those in your heart. But if you go at it alone, the Bible says it will never stop. If you surround yourself with brothers and sisters in the Lord that can help you and encourage you to the Lord, listen, there'll be seasons in the valley, but there'll also be seasons in the mountaintop as well, right? Now let's continue reading in verse 9 from New Living Translation. This is a very familiar scripture. You see it a lot at weddings and stuff now too. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 12. Two people are better off than one, for they have they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. This is speaking of comfort. How can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. If you take a notes, I want you to write this down too. Life happens, life changes, and goes on. I'm sorry, let me back up. How life changes, happens, and goes on is drastically impacted by whom you go through life with. The way that life happens, changes, and goes on will drastically be impacted by who you go through life with. You remember earlier in one of the four people in the Bible, I mentioned Naomi from the book of Ruth. Naomi had lost her husband, and she lost her two sons. Look what it says, as we just read Ecclesiastes. Ruth 1.5 says, then. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. So Naomi was all alone, the Bible says. Now, she actually had two daughter-in-laws. Her, her, her sons had, had married uh, two, two uh, women, Orpha and Ruth. And, but it says she was all alone. In her extreme grief, she told both of her daughter-in-laws, who were still with her, to go back to their families. So let's pick up the story here in verse 13. Ruth 1.13 says, Things She's speaking. This is Ruth speaking. I mean, Naomi, I'm sorry. Naomi's speaking. She's saying, things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fifth fist against me. And again, they wept together and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. Let me stop here and say, 
in the darkest times of our life is usually the times we try to push people away. God is sending people around us to help us, to pull us out of the, the pain, to pull us out of the darkness. And, and just like Naomi, human nature is, you know what? I want to stay in my funk, in my, in my, in my mully grub. So no, you know what? You just leave. You just go. But, but I love this. It says Ruth clung tightly to her. Look at verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you or turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people would be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. This girl was not moving. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Listen, you need people in your life that are going to be determined to stick with you by your side, no matter what you tell them. No matter how hard you try to push them, they're going to be like Ruth and say, you know what, I'm not going anywhere. Now, you might not find nobody that's going to say, may God punish me if I leave your side. That, that's pretty hardcore there. But you might, I don't know. Maybe it's their calling to stick by your side. Maybe it's your calling to go and to get you out of that dark place, of that hurting place. See, again, guys, Sunday morning is awesome. You need to be encouraging and get in the word. We all need that corporate worship. But listen, this kind of stuff don't happen on Sunday mornings. That kind of relationship is not a Sunday morning relationship. It might start on Sunday morning. You might set up a meeting on Sunday morning. You might, you know, look for a group that we're going to talk about in a minute on a Sunday morning. But this is the kind of stuff when you're in the trenches, this is with the close community of relationship I'm talking to. These are the kind of people that will stick with you during the good, the bad, and the ugly. Someone like Ruth is determined to see you to the end. See, these are the kind of people that I had in my life. Once I made that choice, that helped me to get through both my brother's tragic death and then my mom getting sick and passing away last year. And a lot of them are sitting in this room right now. These are the kind of people that helped me through. I made a choice, but there's no way I could have did that on my own. I had to have people surrounding me, my wife being the, 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 the major one. She's not here today, but her being the major one that no matter what, I knew. So who you marry, young people, single people, be careful who you marry. Because she was one of the key ones that helped me to get through those dark times. And of course, other brothers and sisters right here in the church that refused to leave me when I was in a funk. Now, listen, we got to grieve. Grieve is a process. I understand it. But you know what? Somebody needs to go in after you and say, hey, you're coming out. I'm bringing you out with me. We're going to walk through this together. Everyone needs a Ruth. If you don't have a Ruth, you can become ruthless. Think about that. If you don't have a Ruth, you can become ruthless. Did you ever stop to think that that word Ruth can be used as not just a girl's name? Did you know that? I didn't know that. Somebody said, yeah, I didn't know that until I started studying this. Ruth is actually a word, like, you know, that's why you're ruthless. The word Ruth, the definition, some of them is mercy, pity, compassion, and tenderness. Talk about this power in the name, right? That was Ruth's name, and that's what she lived out. So that's what, that's what that word means. So that's where the word ruthless comes from. If you don't have people around you in the hardest, the most darkest times, guess what? And people are trying to show you compassion and mercy, you become ruthless. You lack compassion, mercy, pity, understanding, and you just get darker and darker. Listen, we all have to have a Ruth in our life that can face tough times and see God's hand on the other side. And also, you need to be a Ruth to somebody else as well. 
if you're not. Amen? So no one should go through life alone. Listen, this is the reason that next week we are launching life groups, our fall life group semester. We do life groups. Again, Pastor Kelly said it Wednesday night. We don't do life groups just to give you something else to do. I said it at the beginning. I understand everyone is busy, right? I don't think I need to add something else to your calendar, right? I bet you if I say for sure hands, how many of y'all are bored and need something to do? Probably would be very, very little. Is that correct? That's not why we do it. We understand that God has designed us to do life together. So one, I want to encourage you, if you're not in a life group, starting next Sunday, check out. You can be able to go online. There's going to be a wall in the lobby. If you're not, and some of y'all have that already. But if you don't, I want to encourage you to do so. So you might say, well, Brandon, I've tried that already. I went to one group, and man, it just didn't fit with me. And I understand. You might have to try a couple of different groups before you kind of find your flow. I get it. But it's not just life groups. You need at least one or two people. It might not be an organized group at church. But if you don't have a close community of believers, a relationship you're in, your toil will never come to the end. The difficulties and the pain you go through, God's designed it that he wants to use people to help get you through it. This happened just this week. I was reminded of the power of life groups. And I asked, I think he's coming to the second service. I asked his brother to, if I can share this. I got a phone call, I believe, two, Monday or Tuesday morning. And some of y'all probably saw this on Facebook, that James Master's wife, Ruth, was in the hospital and she had a stroke. You know how I found out? His life group leader called me. He didn't call the church. He texted his life group leader at 11 o'clock and said, I'm bringing Ruth to the hospital because she's having a stroke. His life group leader ran to the hospital and stayed there with him until like one something in the morning. And then called us the next morning, texted us the next morning. That shows you the power of community. Amen? Shows you the, the power of a close circle of friends and relationship that he knew right away he can text because of the relationship he had with his brother. He can text them and they were right there with him. So as we continue today, as we conclude, should I say, I'm sorry, as we conclude today, we're talking about not facing life alone, not going through life alone. But I want to ask you, one, if you're not in a community, if you don't have a Ruth, you need to get in one. You need to get in a relationship. You need to get in a life group. We're going to be talking about next week, again, the, the kind of people that you want to be around or the one you want to try to connect with and look for. But are you ready not only for this life, but the next life, the life to come? Do you know if you're going to experience eternal life? We've been talking about this this life that, like we read at the beginning, can wrap up like this. Jesus' return, it can be in, imminent, and or none of us are promised tomorrow, right? Do you know if you will experience eternal life? John 3.36 says this, and this is Jesus speaking. He who believes and trusts in the Son and accepts him as Savior has eternal life. That is, already possesses it. But he who does not believe in the Son and chooses to reject him, Disobeying him and denying him as Savior will not see eternal life, but instead the wrath of God hangs over him continuously. Thank God that he sent one, Jesus Christ, to die in, our, in the place for us. You remember all the trials that Jesus went through? It was because of this right here. Ultimately, so that we could not only live in a life and go through this life, but have an eternal life with him. Do me a favor, right where you're sitting, just go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to ask you, are you prepared for eternal life? Are you prepared for the, 
for, for, for the next life. I hope that you have a Ruth or a close community of believers. I hope that if you're not in life group, that you, that you start praying about and looking at one starting next week. But are you prepared for the next life? That's another thing about a close community. It was this community of believers that helped get me to where I was in a position to receive eternal life. First it was my mom, then it was my brother, and then this community that, that, I'm, that we're in right now helped me to grow to continue to have the faith to believe for eternal life. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm ready, if I'm prepared for eternal life, if I'm prepared for eternity, because the truth is we are going to spend eternity somewhere. One's going to be eternal life and one's going to be eternal separation from the Lord. So if you say, Brandon, I'm not sure where I'm going to spend eternity, but I want to make sure today. I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Savior, but I want to do that this morning. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. I see your hand, ma'am, in the middle. Anybody else? Anyone else? We're going to take a few minutes here. Thank you, Jesus. See your hand over here. Anyone else? Thank you, Father God. Hands going up. Thank you, Lord. All right, for these that raise their hand, we're going to pray. And I just want you to pray with me. Just as you believe in your heart, the Bible says, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I receive the free gift of eternal life. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I turn away from them and I turn to you and make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, why don't we rejoice with these that just made a decision. Hey, for those of you that made that decision, there's a card in the pew in front of you that says, I made a decision. Fill that card out. Bring it to the info center in the lobby, or you can bring it to one of us uh, after uh, service is concluded. If you go ahead and stand up with me, let me pray a blessing over you. And listen, before you, you run out of here, hey, look, we, we still got a few minutes. I just want to encourage you. Ask yourself a couple of questions. If you're not in a close community of believers, whether it's a, a, a tight relationship with one or two people or in a life group, I want you to bow your head right now and ask the Lord why. Lord, do, do that for me before we leave. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If, that, if you don't have that community, if you don't feel like you belong in a, in a small community of believers right here inside the church, ask the Lord why right now. Lord, why is that? Why don't I have a close community? Why don't I have Ruth's in my life? Why don't I have Timothy's in my life or Barnabas that'll come alongside me? And I just want to pray as we close. Father, I pray for all those that, Lord God, has, hasn't gotten in, in community, hasn't gotten in those, those tight-knit relationships to help them through life, to face life, Lord God. I just pray that if there's rejection or hurt or neglect, that you would heal them and that you show them that, Lord, you want to bring healing. And I pray you would heal them and that you would help them to be open, to be a part of the community that you've designed us to be in. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to all those that are not just from business to make it a priority, to get connected with people who are like-minded, like-hearted, that love us, that can help us through. This is how you designed it. We know you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You're always with us, but we know that you use people to help us through every season of life. Father, we thank you. I pray your blessing over these as they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And God bless you. Hey, if you need any prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, we'll see you next week.